Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you, and I praise you for the gift of our lives, for the gift of faith, Lord. I ask that you would increase our faith, and during this Advent season, that you would help us to be truly wise in using our time well. Lord, help us to not waste the gift of the Advent season. I ask, Lord, for the gift of courage in particular for all of those who are listening. Lord, courage to be able to to take a new action, to do something that is different, but in a positive way. Lord, in a way that would help us to, to grow, in a way that would help us to honor you. And uh, we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you today. I'm feeling better. I don't know if you've had the flu in your area or if it hit your home. It's something that has lingered over the current home for the last week and a half, so much so that we actually had to cancel our Thanksgiving plans from the long Thanksgiving weekend, and it was more of a hunker down and, and get better. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It, it actually gave us a chance to visit together, to be together as a family and in a non-rushed environment. I mean, there wasn't a lot of energy <laughs> in the house, but not a bad thing. It gave me a chance to be able to do something that uh, I enjoy very much, which is play games with my kids. Uh, we we were playing a card game together, uh, and it was called Presidents or something like that. And it was, I'd never played it before. And the funny thing is when you're playing games with currents, the default setting is, the uh, the default setting is I, I of course, want to win, but I want to see if I can win by cheating. <laughs> and, and it's funny because a lot of the people that we play games with, different attitudes when it comes to how closely you play by the rules, or do you just discard rules if they don't make sense in your context, at least in your own idea or your own mind or thinking as a family? So th- there's a there's an adaptation of a game for the family, and then part of it is if you're going to discard one card, do you discard two, or do you slide your card in there? And so it was fun. It made it made for a very entertaining game. Uh, I lost. I came in last. It was. <laughs> Of course, that shows that the game was principally based on luck, not really on skill. So, all right. Today on the program, though, uh, I, so I hope you're feeling better. I hope that you feel better. I hope that you're able to uh, stay safe in in this weather. Uh, lots of snow hitting the, the Spokane area. And uh, I think that's swept across from the central part of the state. And so uh, if there is snow on the ground where you live, uh, enjoy it, but safely, especially when you're driving. It's one of those things where, especially if you, uh, the snow has a combination of melting and then freezing, and you don't have like excellent road clearing going on, it can be dangerous. Underneath the surface that is really clean and beautiful can be dangerous ice where you can uh, lead to uh, uh, treacherous driving conditions. And so please be careful if you're driving. In fact, that's a nice little entry point for the program today. This is the season of Advent. And the season of Advent is more than just a time to prepare 
for Christmas, right? If you listen to yesterday's program, it's one of those sort of standard programs that I do at the beginning of a liturgical season where I bring out the reality that Advent is the first liturgical season. It's the happy new year, right, of the liturgical calendar. And so that means it's a time for fresh starts. It's a time for uh, setting new resolutions. And, and again, it's a, a practice that I encourage is for you to pray and discern, Lord, are you doing something different in my life in this year? Do you have something in store for this liturgical year? And, and what I'm getting at is that, what am I getting, what I am getting at is that it's not sufficient, but it's a great start to know the truth about the Advent season, to understand what it actually is in the mind of the church, how it can be lived out. But knowing the truth of the liturgic, of the meaning of Advent is only going to have power to impact our lives if that truth takes, uh, takes root and blossoms forth in our lives. That's the language from the Catechism. That the truth of our faith is to take root in the core of our being, in our hearts, in our minds, and then it blossoms forth in our conduct. And so that means that the truth of Advent needs to be turned into the goodness because what is true is also good. And so that means that there is a way in which the truth about Advent is meant to manifest itself in how we live our lives. That's what's at stake in the Advent season. If you want Advent to be true and good and beautiful, the beauty part of it is, yes, in part connected to things like decorations and creating an environment in your home, how it is you're going to be uh, designing the the way in which you you operate as a family in your home in accord with this season. But it's really about recognizing what's at stake and then taking the necessary action in order to realize the good that's at stake in this Advent. And so the global picture, yeah, pray. Ask the Lord. I have one chance to live this liturgical year, to live this liturgical year that is beginning now at the end of November, and it'll continue through the end of November next year. So really, it's the 2023 year. You have one chance to live this year, my brothers and sisters. And I can tell you this, you don't know what's going to be unfolding. You don't know what, what it is that the challenges that are going to be presented to you. And so my hope is that you'll ponder, you'll reflect on the meaning of this moment in your prayer time, in your thoughts, just as you're driving along right now, or if you're listening to this on a podcast version, the Dr. Tom podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that you will be pondering and reflecting, Lord, what does the this year, the year 2023, mean for me? What's at stake in this, Lord? And look, give me the grace to be open to receive the year that you have in store for me.
Lord, what, what do you have in store for me in this liturgical year? So I have been pondering that quite a bit, talking about it with Kerry, and we brought it to our family, more focused on, the, on just Advent itself. Like, what are we going to do for Advent? What are we going to do this Advent? And Carrie and I had a chance to talk about it a bit last Friday, and we'll revisit it this Friday on our Faith and Family editions. Uh, and, uh, but I want to say this, that I have been focused more on direct action as it relates to ministry. And what I mean is, in particular, praying on Facebook, like praying live with people, that that has, it has a very meaningful, for me, it's a very meaningful expression of what I, my own senses, it's not just what I feel, my own discernment about what God is wanting, is God, God is willing for my life. What's at stake in my life is direct action where Christ is expressing his will for this world. So when I pray with people, when I'm praying the rosary live on Facebook, for me, that's a sign, one manifestation of the reality that Jesus Christ is the living Lord, and he sees you, he knows you, and he is moving in your regard. He wants to stand with you at your point of deepest need. He wants to fill your heart's desire. He has gifts and blessings for you that you haven't imagined, gifts that you haven't uh, even imagined possible, mercies that you don't deserve. He has these blessings that he wants to bring to your life, plant in your life, and manifest through your life. And I want to be I want to be the, the vessel, I want to be a vessel in helping people to know that, helping Catholics and, and people of faith to realize that the living God is moving with power in your lives. And so if I can be a source of expectant faith, if I can be a source of praying with people, then I'm in. Let's go, Lord. I want to do that. So that's one way that I'm sensing that the Lord is asking me to take initiative, to take action, is through praying in very direct ways, ministering prayers to other people. The second, the second is my senses. Oh, and so what does that mean for you? Think about it. Pray about it. What does it mean for you that the Lord might in fact be saying, I, the living Lord, Jesus Christ, I who rule and reign over heaven and earth, I who intend to bring salvation to this world, intend to use you, you, that's right, you, brothers and sisters, you who are listening to me, that Jesus Christ might, just might, have his hand on you. His hand is going to be laid upon you to bless you with a grace and a gift that he intends you to extend to others. And that can be done in secret. That can be done in a way that no one else will ever know. How? Prayer. You can begin to pray as an intercessor. You can sense that call, that evoking, prompting that, that, that happens within you. I should be praying more for others. I should be praying more for others. If that is 
surging within you, or even a quiet nudge within you, act on it. Act on it and see what the Lord does. You might find that the Lord is encouraging you, encouraging, (laughs) putting courage in you, that meaning of encourage, into your heart, encourage, to put courage into your heart so that you will take a new level of action, a new kind of action, to advance God's kingdom, to manifest Christ's love, to bring the power of Christ to be at work in this world. So, who can you pray for? Pray for your pastor. Do you pray for your priest? Do you pray for your bishop? Do you, really, sincerely? Do you pray for your priests and bishops? Do you pray for the Holy Father, Pope Francis? They need our prayers. They need our prayers because if, in fact, this is a a year of action, if this is a year of moving, we need the God-ordained, God-assigned office holders, that's a canonical category, a theological category, the ones who hold the office of governance, teaching, and sanctification. Those are the bishops, and then the priests who work as their co-workers, and the deacons who share in the sacrament of the uh, of holy orders. They are the ones whom the Lord has raised up in our moment to govern, teach, and sanctify, to lead, provide, and pro- lead, protect, and provide us, the, the lay faithful. We need them. We need them to be holy. We need them to be set free from any spiritual bondage or burdens. We need them to experience the, the surge of the power of the Holy Spirit so that they will be out front in things that matter. They will be discerning and taking action in new ways, in unexpected ways, in ways that we've never seen before to address the pressing issues of our time. And yes, there are pressing issues in our time. Issues that require action. You've heard me talk about this for four years, three years, three and a half years, four years now, talking about pressing moral issues that are a contagion, a toxic swamp that is sucking the life out of our teens, our high schoolers, our young people. And I'm telling you, we are coming up to a time of action. And I had a phone call yesterday where it was confirmed in me again, and it makes me say, yeah, I need to take action again. What was that phone call? I'll tell you about it in a minute on Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out 
drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Well, isn't that something the sponsor that just came on was the work that I do in real estate, which was, guess what? It was an action that I took. I started to do three and a half years ago serving families just by helping them discern and take action themselves in a way that was um, potentially like the action that Carrie and I took in moving our family away from a place that was toxic for them. And and I put that context out there. I I think you remember, well, maybe you remember, I used a new analogy and it hopefully can explain why I talk the way I do sometimes and that the analogy is that when the house is on fire, you don't act the same way as when a family's having a barbecue. When a family's having a barbecue, the fire is located in a nice barbecue and it's being used in ways that are helping to cause great joy and, and a fun time together and life is good and just don't burn the steaks. And everything, you know, everything is fine. The, the beautiful sunny day and, and all of the other wonderful things. But when the house is on fire, no, you break down the front door. You move with speed, with haste, with care to warn everybody. And you get them out of the house as fast as you can. So I'm going to talk right now to those whose house is on fire. So if your house is not on fire... You just might be offended by what I have to say. It's not my goal to offend you, but it is my goal to reach those whose house is on fire. Okay, so if if you feel like I'm overstating things, it's because you're enjoying a barbecue. Your house isn't on fire. So just realize that, okay? This has to do with a phone call that I had yesterday. And it was a couple who were extremely dismayed. That is putting it mildly over what they had discovered about what was happening in an unnamed West Side public high school to their granddaughter. And it was very disconcerting because what she ended up sharing was the extent of the toxic swamp that Carrie and I uh, pulled our kids away from. And so I, I literally can't even share all that was shared with me. Not, not because it's private. I'm, I would never share something that's confidential and private, but because of the graphic nature and the uh, very disturbing nature of what they had learned from this high school, uh, this high schooler, this girl, uh, who was talking in in terms that were very, uh, like, not overstated and not being dramatic, just matter of fact, this is what you need to know is the world that I'm in. And this young lady went on to describe a world marked by uh, sexting, the sending of nude pictures between boys and girls, of both boys and girls in high school, which was just one manifestation of a hookup culture where these high schoolers are um, routinely 
and regularly um, hooking up sexually uh, without any sense of uh, seriousness or, or drama in the matter, that this also involved a regular and routine use of marijuana and vaping products. Uh, and in order to protect themselves from getting pregnant, there was, again, a very routine and parent-supported use of contraceptive pills, which led or was leading a number of these young ladies to be depressed, which all got exacerbated by the use of these, uh, these recreational drugs, the marijuana and the vaping products. Uh, and it was only heightened and intensified through social media and the pressures, anxiety, and stress that that introduced into the lives of these young women who needed to fit in, and the way that they would fit in was through uh, looking a certain way, having a certain shape, presenting themselves in a certain way, and they would face the, uh, the backbiting, mean, harsh treatment of others if they didn't meet an ideal look. And this might not sound like new to you, but when you add up all of those things together, you layer them upon layer them, and you have uh, a, uh, a population of high schoolers that have little to no reference to God, faith, uh, practice in the home or among the kids, and you have all of these stresses and pressures piling up on these kids, it's darkness, brokenness, it's wreckage, it's, it's terrible. And what do parents think? Well, parents often don't know. They often don't know because they're not engaging in the conversations with the kids. Some of them don't want to know. Others of them say, well, what do you expect? Of course, they're, they're going to be engaged in uh, the variety of these activities, and, and, and either they are justifying them or rationalizing them or saying it's not that bad. And yet to hear the stories pour forth from this young lady, it was heartbreaking because I know the story. Carrie and I have lived the story, and... When that story was unfolding in our lives at Kennedy Catholic High School, at a Catholic high school, and we saw the stresses and pressures at St. Francis Catholic School, a K-8 school, we saw the pressures, we saw the stresses, we saw the activities beginning to bloom at St. Francis, but manifested in, uh, in very uh, overt and direct ways at Kennedy Catholic it was terrible. It was horrific. And we had to make a decision. What were we going to do about it? The house was on fire. The house was on fire. And so we had to take an action to get our kids out of the fire, to get them out of a house that was on fire and to get them into a place where we could have a barbecue again. And for us, for us, that meant moving. And it's interesting because and again, if you don't have a high schooler, if you don't have high schoolers, 
this isn't going to make any sense to you. Okay. If you have high schoolers going to typical Catholic high schools or to public high schools, then you are more than likely influenced and impacted by this to a greater or lesser degree. But to realize that your kids, their faith is going to be undermined and attacked, eroded away and destroyed, or in addition to that, the toxic effects that will wash over and soak into these kids through smartphones and internet use, as well as through the typical scenes that kids today are facing, you might say to yourselves, I can't imagine that there's anything better. This is just the world we're living in. And that's wrong. That's a lie of the devil. It's just not true. There is something so much fresher, life-giving, and will allow your kids to recover, recover what they've lost, restore what has been stolen from them, and help them to grow into young men and women of God. It's not guaranteed, but you have a much higher likelihood of having a healthy high school set of years for your kids rooted in faith if you're not there, if you're not there in that Puget Sound area. Now, I'm going to say there's a, there are some exceptions. Like I point to uh, the Thomas Aquinas Classical uh, the Aquinas Classical Academy in Bremerton. That is a beautiful, I call it a Benedict option, where it's, again, it's a smaller school and you've got a wonderful community of faith and a density of families that are there. And a lot of those forces and influences just are crowded out. There's just no room for them. That is the exception rather than the rule. But I got to tell you, I have found so much life and light for families. And it's a story I hear again and again for families that are willing to take serious action, whether it is serious action to group together with families where you're living, because that's what it'll take, very intentional uh, living with smaller groups of families where you are, or whether it's uprooting and moving, whether it's to a place like over here in eastern Washington or northern Idaho, or other places where people have also chosen to move. My point is that this is a time of action. And talking to that uh, very distraught couple yesterday, it just reminded me again, 2023, it is a year of action. It's a year of action, brothers and sisters. You've been entrusted with so much when you've been entrusted with kids. And God knew when he would make you parents. He knew that he would have you raise your kids in the time in which we're living. And he knows where you are at right now. And so he will give you the grace you need to take the action that you need to take in order to fulfill the call that is yours. Serious action, committed action, Determined efforts just to preserve your kids' innocence and faith is absolutely required. What's also required is our holiness. Underneath it all, grounding it all, is our holiness. And that's something we can all work on. You can work on it, and I can work on it. My brothers and sisters, working on our 
growth in holiness. This is what Advent is about. Advent as a season. Remember, Advent, it's not about us going towards Christmas. It's about us waiting for the coming of Christ to our lives. When you prepare your home to welcome an important guest, what are you doing? You're spending hours getting the house clean, spick and span, top to bottom, getting everything ready, looking beautiful, getting the food prepared, getting everything ready, getting dressed. And you hope they're going to be 15 minutes late because you're always going to need that last 15 minutes. And then when they arrive, you want to be ready. You want to have everything ready. That's Advent. Christ is coming to your family. Christ is coming to your life in a whole new way, at a whole new dimension. And when I think about that, when I hear about that, it's like doing all these other things, like doing all these other things, even when it comes to something like, what am I supposed to do with regards to my family? And do I, do I move or do I stay put or where do I go? Where do I send them to school? Where am I, uh, wh- what am I doing regarding the use of the internet in their lives? What am I doing to, uh, you know, to protect them in terms of the friendships they have? The best, first, and most important protection is your holiness. The best, first, and most important protection for your kids' lives is your holiness. I know you probably haven't heard that before or heard it often. Well, I've said it, and I'll say it again and again. Do you want your kids to be pure? Be pure. Do you want your kids to be modest? Be modest. Do you want your kids to be chaste? Be chaste. Do you want your kids to die to themselves? Die to yourself. Do you want your kids to take two steps forward in the spiritual life? Take five steps forward in the spiritual life. What does five steps forward look like? You want your kids to pray a decade of the rosary a day? You pray two rosaries a day. Do you want your kids to go to Mass once a week? You go to Mass several times a week. Do you want your kids to go to confession every three months? You go to confession every month. Do you want your kids to fast twice between now and Christmas, fast five times between now and Christmas. Do you get it? There's a way in which you go before them. You go before your family. That's what a leader does. A leader goes first. What does a leader do? Before anything else, a leader goes first. Because if if a leader doesn't go first, well, what's leading mean? What does it mean? <laughs> it, you know, it means, well, do you point and say, go over there, and then people start walking, and then you follow behind? The sadness is that that's sometimes the, the critique that I hear from churchmen, from people involved in the church, whether it's priests or other church leaders. It's that sometimes our church leaders are leading from behind. They won't put themselves out there first. They don't want to take a risk. They want to make sure that before they step forward, it's going to be received. It's going to be tested by others. It's not going to be a surprising thing. It's going to get supported. It's going to be even applauded. That leading from behind is a, it's a recipe for disaster when it comes to really truly shepherding after the heart of the good shepherd he goes before us 
He shows the way, leads the way, walks the way, and then dies for us so that we can arrive at the goal of the way. We're up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to do what I promised at the very beginning of the program and tell you about the guest that was supposed to be on today in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Today, I wasn't going to be on by myself. Today, I had a guest scheduled, but he had technical difficulties. Yes. Who is the he? It is Trent Horn. Trent Horn is a Catholic apologist on staff at Catholic Answers. You get to hear him. Um, During the Catholic Answers Live program, once or twice a week, I think it's once a week, uh, uh, during the afternoon hour uh, here on Sacred Heart Radio. Uh, he's also the author of a number of books and of a popular, he's also the host of a popular podcast called The Council of Trent. Uh, Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. Council of Trent, right? That's clever. Well, he has a new book. The book is called Devil's Advocate, Facing My Inner Anti-Catholic. Devil's Advocate, Facing My Inner Anti-Catholic. And it's, uh, if it's an interesting book, a wonderful book, and I'm actually very excited to do the interview with him. In it, he, he has a goal in mind. The goal in mind is to have, in a dialogue form, written down for everyone to read, his own interior dialogue with the skeptic that uh, identifies the areas of Catholic belief that he himself has wrestled with in the past or continues to wrestle with. And and that all by itself is a really interesting goal. I I think that's a very interesting goal. And, you know, the idea of um, what, like, what, you know, because as an apologist, What's his goal? His goal is to identify objections to belief either in God or belief in uh, Christianity or specifically in Roman Catholicism, and by reason alone, removing the obstacles to belief and showing that beliefs, Catholic beliefs, are reasonable. Remember, apologetics does not prove that beliefs are true. It shows that they're reasonable. And so apologetics has an important part to play in an age that is skeptical. And he has done uh, a marvelous job of uh, debating or taking on uh, popular arguments and even more refined arguments from skilled debaters about, anti- about uh, Catholic belief. And, and so in this book, he takes a look at some of the, the areas of Catholic belief where he's come up with or embraced certain apologetic lines and has had to wrestle with them himself. So uh, in the book, and we'll, the, the interview's been rescheduled for next week, so it's going to happen, it'll air next Tuesday. So you can look forward to that. Trent Horn will be on the program next Tuesday. We're going to go through a number of uh, his uh, themes that show up in the book, The uh, Devil's Advocate. It, it's published by Catholic 
Answers Press. So you can get it on catholic.com in their online bookstore. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But it got me thinking about, like, who's... Where do I have that sense of an inner skeptic? Where do I have in my own, like, uh, apologetic work, my own, like, interior questioning about the faith, putting the faith into question? And where do I find pointers to an answer? And so I'm actually going to bring him some of my own um, approaches to areas where skepticism is present, and then what have been fruitful sources of insight to address my inner skeptic. So just as a for instance, uh, how do you find a proof for God's existence? And if you are familiar with Thomas Aquinas, his five ways of showing the reasonableness of believing in God— Again, it, they're not proofs from the standpoint that uh, scientifically they're demonstrable, but rather they are logically, uh, they're shown to be logical and rational, that they're reasonable positions to hold, and the alternative positions are, are they rational? Are they reasonable? And so uh, for me, like, you know, is it, uh, you know, that things are in motion or uh, causality or things like that. I I found that the five ways, they work for a certain mindset. They work for a certain type of uh, approach to thinking that's very logical, common sense oriented. But in our time, I have found that my inner skeptic isn't as impacted by that, believe it or not, even though I have a degree in philosophy and systematic theology, that my own uh, inner skeptic is moved more by an argument from meaning. That there's an argument from meaning that the concept of the world being meaningless is something that is, uh, is hard to to, to see through, to see through to the end, that everything means nothing is something that is abhorrent to uh, the, the very nature of life and of day-to-day living. And so the fact that there is meaning in this world points to an ultimate source of meaning and an ultimate meaningfulness in this world. So that's just one, for instance, where uh, my own brand of skepticism is, it's somewhat different than Trent Horns in his book, The Devil's Advocate. So I'm going to encourage you, tune in, tune in. Uh, I'm going to record it uh, on video. So we'll also post it on I Love My Catholic Faith with Dr. Tom Curran on Facebook, as well as on our YouTube channel, My Catholic Faith TV. My Catholic Faith TV on YouTube. So if you go to one of those two channels, you'll see not just the interview with Trent Horn, but all of the interviews that I'm doing these days uh, with Father Wade Menezes. If you enjoyed the one with uh, the interview I did with Father Paul Herrick the other week, we just posted that on YouTube. Love for you to go check out 
those sites. If you can't remember those sites, just go to mycatholicfaith.org. Mycatholicfaith.org is my website, and there you can access all of those interviews, as well as a whole bunch of free resources. So go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can access all of these radio programs, as well as um, a bunch of free digital resources that you can download, all for the cost of free. Yes, that's right. No cost to you all the talks and series, and as well as accessing all these interviews. Okay, so uh, tune in for Trent Horn. Okay, coming back to Advent, let's, let's continue to think about what can we do. I mentioned that it's a time of action. And so one action was, how can you be useful to the Lord in prayer? You see where I'm going with this is using Advent in a traditional manner as a time of preparing for Christ's coming, right? We want to get our houses in order. And we can do that through three traditional, the three traditional uh, uh, ways of preparing the way for the Lord, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And we talked about this at our family meeting on Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, was what are we doing for prayer? What are we doing for fasting? What are we doing for almsgiving? How are we going to extend ourselves in prayer? I just was talking about that at the beginning of the program, praying on Facebook. Being sick, unfortunately, I haven't been able to keep up my day-to-day commitment, so praying every day, uh, to minister. And again, let the Lord act through me. The second is I want to talk about stewardship. And my brothers and sisters, I'm hoping that you are doing fine financially. I'm hoping that economically you are taken care of. But I know, I'm convinced that there are many people who are struggling right now in their financial condition. Things are hard. Prices are going up. Inflation, the cost of goods, the cost of basic necessities like heating bills, electrical bills, things like uh, the cost of, of just basic items. It's crazy how expensive things have gotten, and they have far outpaced any increase in salary. In addition to that is the challenge of many people to find work that can support their families. And so my own discernment is, and you can pray about this and think about this yourself, is that this is a time for extraordinary stewardship. This is a time for us to realize that God, our loving Father, who is a providential Father, He has done so much for us. He's been extraordinary in His generosity to us and in His mercy to us. He has preserved us from so much. He has protected us from so much. How can we not extend ourselves more generously to other people? How can we not extend ourselves in giving? And so I want you to just just pray about it yourself, that part of how we're going to extend ourselves generously to address those who have basic needs. I, I, I've interviewed a number of folks with ministries that help those who have like uh, those who have basic needs and, and helping them to address those basic needs like 
Family Promise here in Spokane, uh, or Operation Night Watch in the Seattle area, or Prepares, which is operated uh, in relationship to uh, Catholic um, community services or uh, Catholic charities in uh, across the state of Washington. There are some just amazing efforts out there that are touching the lives of the homeless, homeless families, uh, those that are, are in broken circumstances and situations and just are in need. Now, whether it's them or, or whether it's some other ministry or apostolate, if you could support them through your action, your time, your giving of your, your efforts, or through your financial giving, huge, huge blessing. So consider that, that if you are in a position where you are financially in a like safe and secure and, and blessed position, it's for such a time as this. Brothers and sisters, it's for such a time as this. Things are hard, and they're going to get harder. They're hard, and they're going to get harder. Do you understand that? That means that more people are going to become economically in difficult circumstances and conditions. And maybe, in fact, we're going to gain in our awareness that what the Lord has given to us, He hasn't only given for us. He hasn't only given it to us for our own personal benefit, but He's given it to us for others. Think about that. Pray about that. Consider how the Lord might be asking you to extend yourself in new ways. All right. So there's prayer. So what are we doing? Carrie and I, we are, we're talking about who we're supporting. How are we supporting? What are we supporting? We're looking for those that are in situations that are in dire need that don't have a lot of other places to go to get the financial, uh, financial uh, uh, requirements met that they have. So we tend to look around the world. That's just us. Now you look wherever you, God is calling you to look, to stand with those groups that are in need, that require the support of those, uh, of others. That includes nonprofit ministries, apostolates like Sacred Heart Radio. And so, in your own prayer and thought, be open to consider how can I support and stand with those who have a need? So, that's the second thing that we're doing this Advent. And, and you know what that does? It removes a roadblock. It removes a roadblock to us being blessed by the coming of Christ this Advent. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the third way of preparing the way of the Lord, and that's through uh, fasting, giving stuff up. I'll talk about that in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move 
for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. There's something you could do for me, and that is, can you go to mycatholicfaith.org, and there you can click on the podcast and just rate it. If you can, rate it five stars. <laughs> Leave a review. Let folks know how you're blessed by the program. And by doing that, you're going to give it more visibility on Apple Podcasts. And that means more folks can discover this program and hopefully be blessed with sound insight. If you could do that for me, that would be awesome. You also at that point can um, get some free digital downloads. You can also sign up uh, to get a weekly newsletter that we send out, an email uh, email letter that we go, and that gives you access to all the different recordings of, of talks and things like that. So on mycatholicfaith.org, you can sign up to be on our, our email list as well as get free digital downloads and just click on the, uh, you can click on, well, you can take your choice. You can click on the podcast, you can click on the Facebook page, you can click on the YouTube page and just subscribe. Subscribe to any or all of the above and you'll be able to join me in prayer and get access to all these wonderful presentations and talks and interviews that I'm doing these days. Advent. Advent is about preparing for the coming of the Lord, preparing for the coming of the Lord. Now, in doing that, we undertake three traditional disciplines, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Now, I know some of you think, hey, wait a minute, this sounds like Lent. Yes, it's also a Lenten thing. Did you realize that Advent is a penitential season? Advent is a penitential season. What that means is that it's a liturgical season where we express our heartfelt sorrow to the Lord for the ways that we settle for less. And those ways that we settle for less are like obstacles in the way to growing in holiness. So in order to grow in holiness, what we do is we uproot the obstacles. And we uproot the obstacles by extending ourselves towards God in prayer by extending ourselves towards others in love, in generous stewardship, and by restraining ourselves when it comes to our own comfort, ease, and pleasure. Restrain ourselves. And so if we are going to restrain ourselves, that comes under the umbrella of fasting. I have to admit, it's only Wednesday, and my very robust plan of fasting crashed and burned. Didn't even make it through Monday. And I figure I've been at this long enough to know that when I set out too large of a goal, that my vision is too far removed from my current reality, <laughs> my goals end up being far too unrealistic that in fact, when I fail, I fail not just miserably and crash back down to my current reality, but I end up eating worse than I would have eaten 
had I not set out those goals for fasting. How crazy is that? But no, that's the flesh. That's fallen human nature. So I want to encourage you that fasting might be difficult with this weather, with the number of parties, the number of events, the number of sweets and cookies and cakes and other stuff that are going to come flying through your house. But I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I restrain myself? How can I deny myself? What can I do? The comfort, the ease, the satisfaction in the midst of a time where plenty of opportunities arise for all of those. Maybe it's as something as simple and painful as not using your phone or limiting the use of your smartphone. When I say not using your phone, I don't mean don't make phone calls. You know what I mean. I'm talking about smartphones. I'm talking about use of social media, stuff like that. That would be an amazing expression of self-discipline. That would be an amazing uh, way to provide some blessings that could trickle down and be sown into the hearts and minds and lives of your siblings. I mean, your siblings, your kids. They're, remember now, your holiness is going to be their best protection. It's not the only way that you protect, but there's a powerful sowing into their lives that happens. It's like leaven. Your spiritual good works will be like a leaven in their hearts and minds. It will sow seeds that can bear fruit. So do not, do not doubt, do not doubt that your efforts to deny yourself things like accessing social media, being on smartphones, or, or things like that, that that might in fact bring great blessings not only to your own life in uprooting some habits, some attachments that are present, but it might also release great blessings into the lives of your loved ones, your kids and grandkids, your siblings, your parents, those around you. That's the power of the unity of the body of Christ and of the relationships that God has connected us to. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. Please join me tomorrow for more sound insight. God bless your day.